1: Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into our three this Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. Highly qualified, they said. The best person to lead this board, they said. Very experienced, they said. This all about Nina Jankowitz. Eminently qualified, a subject matter expert, said Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Security. She, of course, was going to be the director of what we have called the Ministry of Truth better known as the disinformation board. Now the board is shutting down and Jankowitz will go back to the private sector. Steve Hayward has it this way. The Washington Post is just up with the breaking story that the Biden administration has decided to pause, but almost certainly shut down the misnamed disinformation governance board. Just three weeks after its announcement, the disinformation governance board is being paused, according to multiple employees at DHS capping a back-and-forth week of decisions that changed during the course of the reporting of this story. Still quoting The Post. On Monday, DHS decided to shut down the board, according to multiple people with knowledge of the situation. By Tuesday, yesterday morning, Jankowitz had drafted a resignation letter in response to the board's dissolution. Last night, Jankowitz was pulled into an urgent call with DHS officials who gave her the choice to stay on, even as the department's work was put on hold because of the backlash it faced, according to multiple people with knowledge of the call. Working groups within DHS focused on mis, dis, and mal information have been suspended. The board could still be shut down, pending a review from the Homeland Security Advisory Council, and Jankowitz is evaluating her position. Do notice, however, the way the Post frames the matter in the headline to the story. The headline at The Washington Post, quote, how the Biden administration let right wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts, close quote. Another case where the story isn't Democrats screwing up with an epically bad idea, but the right wing pouncing on the mistake. This paragraph is especially delicious from The Washington Post, quote, Jenkowitz's experience is a prime example of how the right-wing Internet apparatus operates, where far-right influencers attempt to identify a target, present a narrative, and then repeat mischaracterizations across social media and websites with the aim of discrediting and attacking anyone who seeks to challenge them. It also shows what happens when institutions, when confronted with these attacks, don't respond effectively, close quote. And experts, the mainstream media's favorite source for their ventriloquist journalism, do show up for duty. Here's from The Washington Post again, quote, Experts say that right-wing disinformation and smear campaigns regularly follow the same playbook and that it's crucial that the public and leaders of institutions, especially in the government, the media, and educational bodies, understand more fully how these cycles operate, close quote. Yes, please, let's understand how all this operates. Fear of government surveillance and punishment for oppositional or dissenting ideas is a right-wing thing, evidently, and in some cases a far-right thing according to the Washington Post. And opposing it with words, tweets, broadcasts, citing Supreme Court precedent and classic literature constitutes, Washington Post words, attacks. Let us definitely understand this, as we shall definitely understand more fully how these, their words, cycles operate. First, if anyone knows of anything false, any well-known conservative or, for that matter, civil libertarian said about the board or Jankowicz, I'd like to know. I haven't seen it. Seems like there was no need to lie or distort here when the truth was doing and would do just fine. That's first off. Second, Note attack, the word they use, is simply being used to weaponize and propagandize the word criticize or show serious concern. Also, when liberal libertarians, of whom there are still some left, join the concern, it's pretty hard to call it right wing or far right, just as it's a redefinition of right wing to replace it as a synonym for Republican or conservative. Biden, Harris, Obama, Hillary, Nancy, Chuck, the whole lot of them are never, ever described as left wing or far left in The Washington Post, New York Times, USA Today, LA Times, CNN, Wall Street Journal, MSNBC or any network. That is how this cycle works. But there's more to this cycle. I place this cycle's beginning to the year 1964. Civil rights activist Roy Wilkins said Goldwater's election, quote, would bring about a police state, close quote. Senator J. William Fulbright, quote, Goldwater Republicanism is the closest thing in American politics to an equivalent of Russian Stalinism, close quote. California Governor Pat Brown, Goldwater's expect acceptance speech, quote, had the stench of fascism. All we needed to hear was Heil Hitler, close quote. Jackie Robinson, quote, I would say that I now believe I know how it felt to be a Jew in Hitler's Germany, close quote. This all about Barry Goldwater. San Francisco Mayor John Shelley, the Republicans, quote, had Mein Kampf as their political Bible, close quote. Many in the press happily joined the chorus. Columnist Drew Pearson, for example, wrote that, quote, the smell of fascism has been in the air at this convention. Close quote. The Chicago defender ran the headline, quote, GOP convention 1964 recalls Germany 1933. Close quote. And not to be outdone, Daniel Shore of CBS News simply made up a story or passed along a rumor too good to check that Goldwater was in touch with the right wing in Germany. The London Observer, usually a sober publication, found, quote, disquieting similarities, close quote, between Hitler and Goldwater. And the media made much of a trumped up poll of one thousand one hundred and eighty nine psychiatrists who thought Goldwater was psychologically unfit to be president. Then, of course, there was the Daisy ad, the brainchild of Bill Moyers, later the doyen of PBS, which had Goldwater's policies blowing up the world with a nuclear bomb as a young girl counted down the doomsday clock pulling pedals from a daisy. This concept was reprised in 1984 when the Mondale campaign did a much more graphic ad from the view of a kindergarten classroom where re electing Ronald Reagan would kill all those children in a nuclear holocaust. The use of fear and children for liberal left wing Democratic Party causes evidently has quite a long pedigree. And when the Congressional Black Caucus libeled Ronald Reagan as a racist, we entered phase two of the quote unquote cycle, as I count it. Phase three was George W. Bush. Anyone recall Bush Hitler? Anyone recall the ad from the sister of the victim of a terrible hate crime in Texas saying George Bush killed her brother? Then there was phase four. Anyone recall the years 2017 to 2021? Plays and movies dedicated to killing Donald Trump? decapitated, bleeding heads of Donald Trump, guillotines with his name on them, worse than Hitler, said a professor on CNN, fascism, they said, tyrant, they called him, racist, they called him, threat to the Constitution, they said, existential threat to the country, they said. Now they just say it about all Republicans. But those years were not that long ago. I remember them, don't you? Now, with all that fascism and tyranny, you still have to explain to me how Nancy Pelosi, was the Speaker of the House and somehow still is. And remind me how Chuck Schumer was the leader of the Democrats in the United States Senate and now is the leader of the majority in the United States Senate. And explain to me how Joe Biden became the President of the United States and still is after succeeding a tyrant and a fascist. Can someone tell me one example, one, where an opponent of Trump or conservatives or conservatism was silenced? or banned, much less gulagged, the kinds of things tyrants and fascists do. What do Democrats do? Well, they call their opponents these epithets, not their enemies, their opponents. They've erased the distinction between the two. To our nation's enemies, well, they are strategic competitors, sometimes extremists, but only when that word is being saturated to describe Republicans like Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. And in the process, Democrats ruin these words they use by detoxifying them, using the strongest and most anxiety-driven words to describe ordinary domestic political opposition, rending those especial words nugatory of all meaning so they find new ones in an ever-escalating beanstalk of passionately offensive nomenclature. It's nothing new. What's new is the permission, the countenance. It's been given by leaders of the Democratic Party and the media. Jamie Harrison, chairman of the DNC, said on national television recently, quote, the Republican Party has become the party of fascism and fear, close quote. The whole party. Think about the fascism, the curtailment of civil liberties, the suspension of habeas corpus, and of course, the fear. Think about all those Republicans from Anthony Fauci to governors like cuomo and whitmer and newsom who implanted fear in the population over the coronavirus overseeing the seizures of property and travel oh wait they weren't republicans it's almost as if words have totally lost their meaning donald trump and the republicans wanted businesses and schools to stay open they're the fascists and of course the deaths have expanded and increased under joe biden versus donald trump got that trump killed americans end of story He was unqualified to be president, Biden said, because of the number of Americans killed by or from COVID under Donald Trump. Well, a year into the thing and with a vaccine, Biden killed more, actually killed more than Donald Trump, 200 percent more with a year's experience and a vaccine that did not exist for Donald Trump. And of course, Biden's qualified to stay in his job, even under the criteria of disqualification he invented and then failed. By 200 percent in comparison to he who Biden waged the criterion against. So about that fascism and tyranny of Donald Trump's, can anyone give me one single solitary example? All the curtailments of freedom were against him and his supporters, starting with the first thing every tyrant starts with, the limiting, the curtailment of freedom of speech. This is what happens when my truth eclipses the truth or when anything eclipses the truth or when words just lose their meaning. George Orwell put it in his essay, Politics in the English Language, that, quote, the great enemy of clear language is insincerity. In our age, there is no such thing as keeping out of politics. All issues are political issues, and politics itself is a mass of lies, evasions, folly, hatred, and schizophrenia. When the general atmosphere is bad, language must suffer. But if thought corrupts language, language can also corrupt thought, close quote. When the effort is to turn the entire Republican Party, be it represented by a Goldwater, a Reagan, a Bush, a Trump, a DeSantis, or any one of you, when the effort is to chase that party out of America to shame its very name into a movement of intermention, you get as close to actual tyranny as possible. And there's a lot of corrupt thought stalking us right now. By the way, one etymology of the word corrupt is from the old French, meaning unhealthy. We are in the midst now of not just junk thought, but unhealthy thought. It is our task, it seems to me as political scientists, to now think of our body politic the way good medical scientists think of their patient's body or a physical human body. In other words, it's time to recognize how unhealthy our body politic has become. And the job becomes ours to embrace what the Greek playwright Aeschylus wrote to tame the savageness of man and make gentle the life of this world. Getting rid of the Ministry of Truth, a government agency dedicated to telling you what right thinking and opinion is and is not, is a good start. And a start is hardly a cycle, because the cycle is theirs. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're looking for a great investment opportunity, I've got a really remarkable and unique one for you. I want you to check out my friends at Y-Refi. What they're offering is a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure, collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi helps people who are digging out of debt the right way, doing their best to dig out of debt by doing the right thing and paying off their debts and doing so with dignity getting things like their FICO scores fixed along the way as well. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, as I say, run by really great people who are doing really great themselves in helping others, and you can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's investyrefi.com or 855-316-3087. Local company. You can uh, visit them, and uh, you will like them as much as I have. Okay, we've got uh, Jonathan Tobin coming up. He's going to talk to us about something you may not have heard of, and it's also possible you have. Um, Led by Congresswoman Socialist Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, Uh, of Michigan, she's introducing uh, a resolution in uh, Congress to recognize what's known as the Nakba. Do you know what Nakba means, N-A-K-B-A? It's an Arabic term meaning tragedy, catastrophe. Catastrophe is how they translate it. It's an Arabic term meaning catastrophe. And it is used to describe what? Not The taking on of the West Bank and Gaza in 1967. No. The very founding of the State of Israel in 1948. The Arab community, the Palestinian community, calls it the Nakba, a catastrophe. A catastrophe. This, as people are saying, well, let's talk about and promote Palestinian statehood. Well, where would that statehood be? Well, obviously, they tell us when they're speaking English, they tell us, well, Gaza and the West Bank. They already have Gaza, so Gaza and the West Bank. But is that true? Is that true? When they are calling and she is promoting a resolution in the U.S. Congress, the entire founding of the state of Israel, pre-1967, a catastrophe? Um, we, We need to understand a few things about all of this, and that's a clear speaking and use of language as well. Uh, Mahmoud Abbas is in his 17th year of his one four-year term of the presidency of the Palestinian Authority on the West Bank. You want to talk about tyranny and fascism? He has canceled every subsequent election after his first four-year term. Why is that? Why is that a fear of losing? What is he uh, afraid of losing to? Jews? No. He's afraid of losing to the Hamas movement, which is the more radically... Uh, Muslim um, Islamist terrorist organization, which has taken over Gaza by free election. There is not a Jew to be found in Gaza. Gaza was Israel left Gaza in two thousand five. They have all of Gaza, the Palestinian do, uh, and they govern at the West Bank under the Palestinian Authority of Mahmoud Abbas. Palestinian Authority, Palestinian Liberation Organization, and his political party is Fatah. I want you to look up the Palestine Liberation Organization or the State of Palestine uh, at uh, the United Nations. First of all, there is no State of Palestine at the United Nations. There is a observer mission in this, of the State of Palestine at the United Nations. It has never been granted statehood, full statehood. But I want you to go to the UN or the PalestineUN.org website and look at the Palestine Liberation official motto and look at their official emblem. Please, I beg of you. It's got the entire state of Israel there with the Palestinian flag over it. It's known as their coat of arms. And in that coat of arms, you want to know what it says in Arabic? Palestine from the river to the sea. Palestine from the river to the sea. That's almost nearly everything you need to know. It's not about the West Bank and Gaza. It's about Tel Aviv. It's about Herzliya. It's about the Galilee. It's about the entire state of Israel. I'll give you one more thing you need to know. Just one more. Just one more. If all they wanted was the West Bank and Gaza territory Israel took in a war in 1967 against the neighboring Arab armies, 1967, the lands of 1967, that's what they're known as, then riddle me this, Batman. Why did uh, the Palestine Liberation Organization found itself in 1964? Why did the Fatah political party found itself in 1959? I mean, if Israel didn't get the territories until 1967 that they say should constitute the Palestinian state, why did these organizations found themselves before Israel had those territories? You know why? Why? Because it is about Nakba. It is about the entire state of Israel, which they find a catastrophe. No wonder Rashida Tlaib could say, as she did two years ago, I have a calming feeling when I think of the Holocaust. How this woman is a member of Congress? I have no idea. No idea. How Nancy Pelosi continues to endorse and support her against primary opponents? Well, there's your moderate Democratic Party. Jonathan Tobin coming right up. Welcome back to The Seth Leapson Show, a delight and privilege to bring back good friend to this show, good friend of mine, Jonathan S. Tobin, senior contributor at The Federalist, editor-in-chief at JNS.org, a columnist for The New York Post. You can follow him on Twitter at Jonathan S. underscore Tobin, T-O-B-I-N is how he spells his name. Jonathan, in my previous segment, I was just I was, I was doing a little language uh, translation for the audience. Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman. S. Michigan, Socialist Michigan. Uh, Rashida Tlaib has uh, proposed a resolution in Congress to recognize the Palestinian Nakba, N-A-K-B-A. I translated that for the audience as catastrophe. I think I'm right about that. You're the expert here. Mm
2: -hmm. What the H is going
1: on here, Jonathan? Well, what it is, is it shows how
2: the, the war against, the existence of the State of Israel, is migrating to Congress, uh, thanks to uh, the efforts of the so-called squad and its new members, uh, both uh, you know, uh, Jamal Bowman, uh, other members of the squad are in on this too, um, not just the original quartet. And what they are doing is putting forward uh, a resolution that basically accepts the narrative that the creation of Israel was... A mistake, a crime, even. And, and to be clear, not 1967,
1: something. 1948, right?
2: Yeah, you know, you know, the trouble with many people in our business, uh, you know, journalists think what happened uh, yesterday is history, what happened right. the day before yesterday right. is ancient history. Right. 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 What happened in the year 2000 when the Palestinians rejected an independent state in peace, you know, is, is really ancient history, let alone 1967. Right. Um, in 1948, um, the state of Israel was born. Um, it was a result of a UN, you know, a UN decision to create both a Jewish state and an Arab state next to it. The Arab world and the Palestinian Arabs, as they're now called, um, rejected that. They said, no, just an Arab state, no Jewish state under any circumstances. The Jews said, uh-uh, <laughs> we're going to have our state. War. A war resulted. And what happened was, as is the case in many wars, um, people fled the war. You know, people lost their homes. There was transfer of population. Several hundred thousand Arabs left their homes largely willingly because they thought they wanted to just get out of the way of the war or because they feared something would happen to them if they lived in a Jewish state. You know, and, and the high command told them to leave in many and cases. Were, yeah. And were unheard. Yeah. And in, yeah, in the, the Arabs, uh, the leaders of the Arab war on Israel, uh, five nations um, invaded Israel on the first day of its existence, mm-hmm. seeking to destroy it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was people lost their homes. They were refugees. There actually also were an equal, if not far larger number, of Jewish refugees, not from Europe, not from the Holocaust, But in the Muslim and Arab world, who lost their homes, who were driven out of the places where they had lived for centuries, millennia, Iraq, Iran, Syria, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. All all those places, um, they found homes in Israel and in the West here in the United States. Um, The Palestinians were kept homeless Mm -hmm. by the Arab world because they wanted to be used as a weapon, because they would not accept the result of the war, which was that the Jews would have their state, I might add, without the West Bank and Gaza and half of Jerusalem from 48 to 67. Okay. So, so by saying, accepting the language of the Nakba, and the idea that it was a disaster and a crime, you're saying no Jewish state, not, not one Jewish state on this planet. That's one too many. That, to me, is indistinguishable from anti-Semitism, because you're treating the Jews differently than you would treat any other people in the world.
1: Or themselves, right? Or themselves, the Palestinians right. who claim for a Palestinian exactly. state. right? They want okay. to escape for right. themselves. Right.
2: Oh, except they really don't because they keep rejecting it when it's offered.
1: And they may even have one in something called Jordan. As, as Well,
2: they actually have one in in Gaza now. It's yeah, and the they
1: have one in Gaza. Well,
2: right. but yeah, and it's basically a terrorist.
1: Mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. I was kind of making that point in the previous segment. Uh, When you think about, you know, 1948 or 1967, the time period in between is kind of interesting because there was no Palestinian state then either, and Israel didn't have that territory. I got to— Hit a quick commercial break here, uh, if it's okay, Jonathan. Can we come back on mm-hmm. that point just a little bit when we come back? Sure. Appreciate you so much. Jonathan Tobin, Jonathan S. Tobin, Senior Contributor to the Federalist, Editor-in-Chief at JNS.org, columnist for the New York Post, and so much more. I'm Seth, he's Jonathan, and we will be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. I take their fruits and veggies every single day. Keeps my immunity boosted, my health in great shape, and my energy high. It will do all of that for you. How could it not? Ten servings of fruits and vegetables in one daily dose, 100% natural from the capsule to the ingredients, pure powerful, potent stuff. 100% fruits and veggies. 16 whole veggies, 15, uh, sixteen whole fruits, 15 whole veggies in one daily dose. You'll love it as much as I do and as much as everyone who has started taking it based on my recommendations loves it as well. balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code balance. Jonathan Tobin is our guest, senior contributor to the Federalist Editor-in-Chief at JNS.org, columnist for the New York Post. We're talking about this uh, resolution in Congress that was uh, put there uh, by Rashida Tlaib of Michigan to commemorate and recognize the Palestinian Nakba. Nakba means catastrophe or disaster, and that references the founding of Israel itself. Not Israel and quote-unquote territories, Israel itself. Israel even divorced from the territories. It's about 1948. 1948 is the disaster, the catastrophe, not 1967. Jonathan, you gave us a great tour Of some of that history in our previous segment talk to me in just a little bit between 1948 and 1967 because there was no Palestinian state then and Israel didn't have those territories then right
2: that's right exactly from 1948 to 1967 the occupied territory that the Arab world and the Soviets their supporters in the third world were up in arms about was Pre nineteen sixty seven, Israel, mm-hmm. you know that the non occupied territories, that because they think that you know every inch that is under the sovereign care of Israel is a crime. They don't think there should be a Jewish state, no matter where. They don't think it's legitimate, no matter where its borders
1: are. Jericho that's and Hebron are that. not the problem. In other words, Tel Aviv is the problem.
2: Exactly, and and <laughs> that's a thing, you know as far as they're concerned, every place where Jews live. That's a settlement that should that is illegal. Now that applies standards to Israel that is not applied to any other country in the world, and that's why I, I link this to anti-Semitism. And the reason why it's important and so sinister that members of Congress are pushing this forward is that because they're adopting this narrative of the illegitimacy of the one Jewish state on the planet. That to me, that, that's the problem, and. Let's, let's understand something else about this. This is not about helping the Palestinians. If you want to help the Palestinians, if you believe in peace, this is exactly the opposite of what you should support, because if, if people who say they're for a two-state solution, which, you know, it, it kind of doesn't work because the Palestinians don't want their end, but assuming that they did, if you're calling for the abolition of Israel, you're saying that Israel's uh, creation was a crime, that's the opposite of supporting the two-state solution. That's for a one-state solution with no Jewish state, which in effect means genocide for the seven million Jews who live in Israel. So, let's understand that this is not some kind of uh, you know anodyne, just pro-human rights resolution. People who take this stand, people who support the BDS movement, trying to boycott Israel, they're not supporting peace. They're supporting endless war with the only end that they want is the extinction of Israel and its Jewish population.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. What's interesting to me about this, I've been spending a lot of time working on language lately, issues of language and politics, you know, the old George Orwell stuff, and it seems to me that it's really not all that hard to understand what you just said if you look at what the Palestinian leadership says itself. You can go to the Palestine uh, webpage at the U.N. You will see their emblem of the Palestine Liberation Organization. It's still there. It's still a part of the United Nations uh, umbrella organization for their observer status. And it's the Palestinian flag over the entire state of Israel with Arabic writing at the bottom. That Arabic writing says Palestine from the river to the sea. They are broadcasting their intentions. They are not talking about Gaza and the West Bank. They're talking yeah, about that's not a Tel Aviv, Hesel, Hertz, Haifa, right. Herzliya.
2: Let's remember one other thing. <laughs> the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization, was created in 1964, right. three years right. before Israel came into possession of all of Jerusalem and the West Bank. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just dishonest to say this is about peace, this is about human rights. People who are pushing this are really hurting Palestinian Arabs, we're encouraging them to engage in an endless war. Mm -hmm. They need to make peace. They need to make their peace with the existence and legitimacy of Israel, And, and if they're not willing to do that, they're only harming themselves. That's why they kept people as refugees, even though they are, you know, generations removed from the actual people who were
1: refugees. Jonathan, I have about a minute and a half left, and I've got to ask this part to you as well, of you as well, which was in her uh, resolution, introducing her resolution, Congresswoman Tlaib speaks of uh, the war crimes and human rights violation, violations in apartheid Israel. Apartheid is now attached to Israel. Uh, leave the human rights and war crime stuff alone. We can spend hours on that and the nausea that they dream up to create those kinds of words but apartheid Israel Israel is an apartheid state I've been there four times um, I've never seen anything like apartheid there. do you want to just address that well, of that epithet it's
2: not apartheid okay. apartheid was a system in which people were not equal under the law. People in Israel are equal under the law even if they're not Jewish the, the Arab you know which is a Muslim and Christian minority have equal rights they are members of the supreme court they serve you know in the military if they wish to they're not forced you know most of them are not you know they're not drafted the way jews are um it, it is a country where that is a working democracy the only democracy in in that entire region the, the apartheid uh, smear is just a big lie it's nothing like south africa the jews are the majority and the Jews yet extend full rights to the, the Arab, Muslim, and Christian minority. To, to, to say anything other than that is simply false. It's a lie. It's a smear, it, It's an anti-Semitic smear because it's, it's geared at denying rights to the Jews, not giving rights to other people who are being denied them, which they aren't. It's as simple as that. It's a it- big lie.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. It is you. You make you make these things so so comprehensible and apprehensible. I appreciate you, brother. Really, Jonathan Tobin. Thank you for stopping by or dropping in. How do we say it when it's on the phone? Dropping a line, (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan. Bless you. you, sir Godspeed. Thank you for everything. I I love this band, Jay and the Americans. I just love the notion. All these guys, they they were born Jewish. First generation. Uh, yeah, they were born Jewish here. Second generation Americans. Their parents were immigrants. All of them. And they take on the name Jay and the Americans. I just love it. They you know, there was there was an ethos once where being an American was the greatest thing you could possibly be. And a country that welcomed you to do that and rewarded you. I, lo- I Anyway, we've covered a lot here today. <laughs> all the hot <laughs> issues <laughs> from the First Amendment and defamation and the abuse of language to uh you know middle east politics uh and i guess i'll close what it means to be a republican i guess i'll close on this it's it's one of my favorite quotes regular listeners to the show know it getting rid of this disinformation board um that they say you know was done the washington post says was done by the far right the far right had nothing to do with creating it and it had nothing to do with ending it. I don't know who the far right is. Can we just be conservatives and civil libertarians? Can we just be people who don't think the government should have a monopoly on truth because we're different here that way? So let me on that quote, Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson. It seems trite but necessary to say that the First Amendment to our Constitution "...was designed to avoid the ends of the unanimity of the graveyard by avoiding the beginnings of the elimination of dissent. There is no mysticism in the American concept of the state or of the nature or origin of its authority. We set up government by consent of the governed, and the Bill of Rights denies those in power any legal opportunity to coerce consent." authority here is to be controlled by public opinion, not public opinion by authority. Close quote. Bears repeating, authority here is to be controlled by public opinion, not public opinion by authority. Leave it right there. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson and class is dismissed.